Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Mercer. Uh, we are here for another uh, episode of the Garner Station podcast, which uh, we, it's a special town hall version, and we don't often uh, interview staff, but we are today. We are here with uh, Jeff Treisenberg, our planning director, since 2017. Since then, uh, you know, we've seen a great deal of growth, and his department's been just slammed, especially past couple of years. Um, and, and there's so much interest and, and concerns and, and, you know, about what's happening in Garner these days and the growth, and uh, people have different opinions about it, and we thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about how the planning department figures into all that, because it, it figures, you know, it's, it's critical, it's central to all of our um, planning for our future and, and what Garner's going to look like in the, in the years ahead. So... Uh, Jeff, I know we, we used to do uh, something called Garner 101, and, and y'all would come in to, and talk to, to citizens, residents, and, and uh, kind of explain what you do right. starting from the basics. So um, planning 101, what, what is a planning department? What, what do y'all do? Right. Um, a lot. Uh, and it's a very, a, a very wide spectrum of, of things that we do. So it is somewhat difficult to explain to folks. Uh, in a way that they can understand. Um, but I think one of the best ways to probably think about it is every community has a vision for what it wants to look like. Um, and here in Garner, we do have our council's uh, strategic plan that kind of establishes an overall vision for, for the whole community that addresses you know, everything from development to budgetary issues and things of that nature. Um, so we are definitely focused in on the development side of that. So some of what we do, I would consider the best way to probably describe it is long-range planning. Um, some folks will call it comprehensive planning. And um, that attempts to take the community's vision, refine it a little bit further in terms of development, and, uh, and to establish some goals and objectives for what we want that development to look like and how we get there. Um, so there's almost always usually a section of your planning department in most municipalities, depending on how big you are, uh, that focuses on more of those long-term uh, kinds of goals and objectives. And so that may take the form of land use planning for, for the future. Uh, it can also include transportation planning and how those two will play together. Uh, so then we do also have folks that are specifically focused on the future land use and the zoning. Uh, zoning is another big term that you'll hear a lot. Uh, so your jurisdiction is divided up into these zones that... Uh, define exactly what you can do, what you can build, what types of uses you can have, uh, what it needs to look like, uh, how much you know landscaping do you have, lighting, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so the zoning prescribes that. And then, of course, you have the transportation piece that goes with it. So here in Garner, we do have what I would call a, a zoning section, and we also have a transportation planner um, that gets into a whole other regional uh, body that we interact with for transportation. Um, but again, that's all kind of wrapped up in the in what I would call the long range. But then it also ties into, of course, then what's happening today and what folks are wanting to build today. So they lead from one and they interplay uh, together as well. So we have a good number of folks in our planning department that are exclusively devoted to plan review, and we kind of usually refer to that as current planning. Uh, so reviewing the development proposals um, from property owners and builders that, uh, that want to do whatever it is that they're, they're wanting to build, and we review it then to make sure that it matches those zoning rules. So it, you kind of, it's kind of this funnel down approach from wide vision to goals and objectives for development to zoning to implementation. Um, so it's that whole, that whole range of things. And it can even be as minuscule, I guess, in, in folks' minds as 
if they want to put a fence up in their backyard, they need to come to us and make sure that they're putting the fence in the right place. So it can be that focused. So again, wide range, (laughs) wide range of things that requires a lot of specialists, but also you kind of have to know a a little bit of everything in some respects. So you have, you have that that framework. It starts with the the big, long, long-term vision and and framework and and the funnel goes down to, to the current stuff and you can really do kind of more drill down stuff all the way down to, to fencing and stuff. Right. So, but, and in addition to that, you have, you know, you have your de- decision-making processes and that involves not just our staff, our planning staff, but also we have a planning commission and then of course a town council that ultimately decides on, on projects. Right. Can you describe that, the decision-making process? So, so let's say a plan comes in, um, and how, how does the planning commission get involved in it? And, and then what is the role ultimately of the town council? Right. So um, going back to those zoning rules, those are put together in what we call a unified development ordinance. And within that unified development ordinance or list of zoning rules and regulations, we have a a table that uh, prescribes for each kind of use that someone will want to start in the town of Garner a review process, an approval process that, depending on which zone that use is in, there's a certain process you have to go through. So that's the first thing uh, that we consult, is go directly to that table to to see how it's going to go. Some things only have to go through administrative review, uh, so with, with staff. Those types of things are very objective in nature. Um, The rules that apply to them are easily interpreted. Uh, So there's really no need for any extra scrutiny because you have your rules that the community's put in place and we check to make sure that you're meeting the rules and you go from there. If it's something that requires, uh, some things require a special use permit, Um, which means they need a little extra scrutiny from someone else at a higher level that looks at broader community goals to ensure that these broader community goals are being met. Um, In those cases, those projects will, again, go through staff review, but then the actual approval body is the town council. So the town council is authorized to make those kind of decisions because they can say, We've got our larger kind of community issues that are more subjective in nature. And so we need to make sure that we feel this particular use is not out of character. So then there's, so there's that route. Um, and then anything that needs a rezoning. So it's not currently zoned for the use today, um, but it could be. And that's where, again, we look to our future land use plans um, to make that recommendation as to whether or not the rezoning is even worth pursuing. So a developer could come in and ask for a rezoning. Again, it goes through staff review. And once we're satisfied that the objective things are being met, then we... um, we take it to a public hearing, and I <laughs> I hesitate because we just changed that process, and we're going to talk, I think, a little bit more about that probably um, with, with what we call 160D. Um, but the new process going forward is, is then those development proposals go straight to a public hearing uh, in front of the council, and the objective there is, is to get all the input from the community kind of out on the table if it hasn't been already, And then the council, at the conclusion of that hearing, will refer it to the planning commission. And so the planning commission is your appointed body of everyday citizens um, who, again, are some of them are maybe experts in the field. Some of them may not have any particular expertise. But it's the opportunity for a body of of citizens to weigh in on the proposal and to give their recommendation back to the council. Um, So they'll hear from staff, they'll ask additional questions, um, help us find any things that need to be fine-tuned before it goes back to the council for a final decision. Um, So that's kind of it. It's 
in a nutshell, it's one of those three processes, either administrative, um, a special use hearing in front of the council only, or this more open legislative process where the planning commission, the public, and everybody can be involved. Um, the big picture, uh, land use plan, comprehensive plan, um, we recently, well, I say recently, but time flies. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now that I guess we adopted a new comp plan and right. transportation plan with it that we call mm -hmm. kind of collectively Garner Forward. What, right. what, what kind of document is that? I mean, it doesn't necessarily have legal force. Um, right. It's not a legal document, but it is a guiding document that determines what, that will help determine what Garner's going to look like, right? So what is Garner Forward? Can you kind of summarize that? <laughs> oh, boy. Again, um, not, we purposely tried to not make a, a huge document out of that, something that was more digestible for folks, because uh, those kind of plans can be very voluminous, but we wanted it to be something that we use. And the, the state legislature, about a decade ago, did make a very small but important adjustment in the enabling legislation for, for planning in that they now require communities to actually have a comprehensive plan if they're going to do zoning and land use decisions. It doesn't really go any further than that other than to say that you have to have something on the books. It doesn't dictate how often you have to refresh it or update it. Right, right. You just have to have something that when these cases are moving through um, and being debated in front of the planning commission or a town council, that there's a reference point. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to stick with it, so your final decision doesn't have to match what's in your comprehensive plan. Um, a council just has to acknowledge it and then state one way or the other as to you know why they're going to approve or deny the plan and then just acknowledge how it's different or how it meets um, the goals and objectives in your comprehensive plan. So you're right, it doesn't have any um, strong, like it, it's, not the, it's not the document that you throw down the, the gavel with, that, that's your UDO. Um, but, but sometimes we, we do find ways to, to try to tie it in a little bit more so that folks, you know, hopefully feel like it does have a little more meaning to it. Um, so in that special use permit process that we talked about um, before, you know, the council does have as, again, one of their more subjective um, rules that those special uses are supposed to be in compliance and in conformity with with the comprehensive plan so it do, it does get a little more weight in, in those cases but it is very much still your visionary your guiding document the thing that you reference but again it's at the end of the day does your development have to no there's it we're, we're just not set up that way in North Carolina at this point but a UDO is different. A UDO is, again, we, we use a lot of acronyms right. in government. <laughs> Unified Development Ordinance. Yes. Um, so what is it? How does it relate to your comprehensive plan? And since it's an ordinance, it, that is more, that is a, a law. It's a law, it's legal. yeah. Legal mm -hmm. So explain that. Explain yeah. the UDO. So if I go back to that, that kind of funneling down that we talked about at the beginning, um, where you go to vision and comprehensive planning and zoning, that UDO document is the piece that goes with with that zoning level. So it's it's the like you say it's the law, it's the local law and the rules that actually implement what's in your comprehensive plan, or at least that's the goal. You can always change the rules uh, at any time given that you go through a proper process. But, but the idea is, again, is that your comprehensive plan is furthering and giving more detail to your vision, and your UDO actually gives you more detail 
and implementation of your comprehensive plan. So that's that's the the general idea. So everything that's in your in your UDO should be tied back to a goal or objective that's in your comprehensive plan in in some way. And, and we are in the process of rewriting our or at least updating our UDO. What are some of the things? Um, I mean, you don't have to go into great detail on on everything, but kind of what are the what are the things that we are looking at as we look to update our UDO? You know, whether it's um, the the look and design standards, setbacks. What types of things are, are y'all looking at? Right. So uh, again, you know, a couple of years ago, like you said, we redid the comprehensive plan and the transportation plan. So our existing rules, in some respects, if something changed, you know, the focus changed or the direction changed in the comprehensive plan which it did in some cases, um, then logically the next thing you kind of want to do is update your rules and regulations to make sure that, you know, it's truly doing now what the revised, you know, goals and objectives are. So we are in the middle of that process. And we're looking at everything from how you mix uses together. Uh, A lot of our zoning in the past was very use separated Um, but as you have developers that are amassing larger projects together they like to have a little more of a mix so we're looking at ways to offer some different options for folks to do that kind of development we're also looking at uh, our landscaping and tree preservation type things because again the the natural landscape with the built landscape um, the hardscapes and everything goes together they play together and where do you find that balance Uh, we also look at parking requirements to make sure that we've got adequate but not too much parking Um, we look at lighting requirements Uh, we don't want lighting to be obnoxious to folks but we also want it to be safe and provide a safe environment for folks um, so it's setbacks, height limitations, all of that kind of goes together. And then we do have an opportunity now to also try to influence the architecture and design of non-residential projects. Uh, we do have that authorization from, from state uh, statutes. So we haven't had a lot of that in the past, and, and I think that gets more attention uh, from the public, you know, it's it's what you see at the end of the day between the landscaping and what the buildings look like. Um, so we're going to be trying, I think, to influence that a little bit more as well, at least more so than we did in the past. And we are recording this uh, March 23rd, and mm-hmm. um, there there is an opportunity for folks to weigh in. There's a there's an open survey. You can go to garnernc.gov, the drop-down menu on the home page, planning, Garner Forward. I think you can select Garner Forward, and then there's a sub-page that's called UDO Rewrite. Right. Um, On it, you can find, among other things, there's a lot of good information, and there's also a video presentation on some parts of the proposed rewrite, and Mm -hmm. there is a a link to a survey, pretty pretty quick survey, 10 minutes, under 10 minutes, that, um, that, that residents can take to uh, to weigh in. Yeah, I think the last the last report we got actually had a average time spent and it was seven minutes. Seven so minutes. nothing. <laughs> and I I'm not sure exactly when this interview is going to go live, but that we're we're going to keep that survey open until April 5th, isn't that right? Yep, April 5th. Um, and and there might be other opportunities moving forward too. To oh, absolutely, yeah. There there's a permanent link to for folks to anything that they see on that project website um, and they can review and make comments or ask questions and those go directly to one of our staff members. Um, so yeah, at any point in time. Um, I don't know that we need to go too far into the weeds on this, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that uh, there are many things happening with, with you all right now, there's this uh, 160D, which involves uh, state legislation or you know, statute, which um, enables you to uh, revisit the way that we, we do our approval processes for specific right. plans, for specific projects. Um, 
and this might sound arcane to a lot of folks, but could you, I don't know, maybe you could explain briefly, like what's going to be different in terms of the order of how things come before council and planning commission and, and so on? What's, what's going to sure, look Sure, sure. So folks have ever tuned into a council meeting over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, or if they've attended in person, it's the way we have done things has been that way for a long time. And it was called a conditional use district rezoning process. Um, the 160D adoption at the state level, which was really a way to take a set of rules that applied to municipalities and a set of rules that applied to counties and consolidate them into one set of rules. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, over time, some things got changed in one set of rules, but not in another, and there got to be some some differences that weren't intended. So it really was a cleanup effort. But as part of that cleanup effort, the state basically decided that they wanted to ensure a more standardized process across the state for rezoning. And so the process that Garner had been using were no longer allowed to do. Um, and it was very confusing uh, for folks if they, like I say, if you've been to a meeting or you've watched a meeting and you observe this, what we call a quasi-judicial process, um, part of the hearing was conducted more like a courtroom. The other part of the hearing was more open. And it was always very difficult to kind of draw the line and say, here's where one part stops and the other part begins. Um, that goes away. <laughs> and and so now what we will have going forward, as I described before, is that process where there is a hearing in front of the council, but it gets moved up to the beginning of the of the public process as opposed to being at the very end. And so that, that hearing will happen first. Um, it's, it's an open legislative process. Anybody can give a comment. It doesn't have to be expert testimony. Um, and then it goes from there back to the planning commission for more consideration. Um, so at that point, then even the planning commission becomes a little more open to the public because it follows the hearing as opposed to being before the hearing. Um, so that kind of is, I think it in a nutshell, it, it will be a much more, I feel open process, um, to the community and the fact that they won't have these, um, you know, professional expertise kind of restrictions on testimony and things like that. So, um, so let's turn to transportation. That is, um, that's a big one. That's a big topic. Oh yeah. And Everybody it's all, it's all tied up in growth. <laughs> it's all tied up in the new developments that get approved. So, um, and transportation, it involves regional and state partners. And so we can't, uh, you know, pell-mell just decide what we want to do and, and impose it on, right. on developers. Uh, so what are, I don't know how to like frame the question broadly, what are, <laughs> what can we do, what can't we do, what are some of the limitations we face when developers come to us wanting to, to build? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest sources of, I think probably just frustration for folks um, is just the way the way the ownership and maintenance systems are set up here in North Carolina. If you come from another state, you're probably used to the State Department of Transportation just being involved in the management of interstates. Uh, U.S. highways like U.S. 1 or U.S. 401 or state highways like uh, 54, 55, um, trying to think of some other ones, <laughs> um, Highway 50 here, Benson Road and Garner. Um, but in North Carolina, there's this whole other <laughs> layer of roads that are the responsibility of, of the state DOT, and these are your state routes. Um, so if you ever see the little SR number 
up in the corner of a street sign, that's a state-maintained road and a state-owned road. Um, in other states, those what we call state routes here would probably be county roads. Um, here in North Carolina, the county is not involved in road maintenance and ownership at all. So you're either a state road or you're a, a municipal road. Um, and so, you know, it's not as, not that it would be probably any easier, but it's definitely not as simple as, you know, going to another local government unit like the county and saying, hey, you know, what are your plans for, for this road? It's, you know, it's part of this larger, you know, state organization to get some of these roads improved and you have to get, you know, their, their approval to, to do work within the areas that they control. So a lot of the main roads here in Garner, uh, Aversboro, uh, Timber Drive, Vandora Springs, uh, Benson Road, White Oak Road, <laughs> Jones Sausage Road, Creech, um, East and West Garner Road, all of those those roads that are really outside of subdivisions, those are state roads. So, again, a, a town can do work, and we can do projects. Um, there are ways that if the town wants to put its own money to improve a road, we we can apply to the state to do that. But you know, then you get into a whole: is that really appropriate? You know, and shouldn't those, you know the funding for those come from state funds. Um, so you have to you have to weigh a lot of that. So when it comes to you know working with with developers, a lot of times it's those roads again that are the ones that are really lacking. I mean they're they're building their own local roads and the local roads are are, are fine. They're not congested. Um, it's when you get out into these these secondary state routes that we find that we have the issues because again funding's limited um, and the the interstates and u.s highways and state highways are going to get preference long before um, a state route that's just kind of you know unfortunately how it works and um, developers you can only put them on the hook for their amount of impact and if you think about it you know, a road like Benson Road, for example, is going to have, it's probably pushing around 20,000 cars on it per day. And you have a subdivision of 150 homes. It may seem like a lot, but when you look at how many trips that's adding to the 20,000, it's a very small amount. And the way the state legislation is written you have to be able to show a direct impact from that development that's going in in order to ask them to pay for an improvement on the state road network that is not directly adjacent to their property. Um, so we call those off-site improvements. Everybody has to do what's directly adjacent to their property. They have to do the widening and all of that. But for us to entertain and want and require a developer to do an improvement at an intersection a quarter mile away, there has to be a direct cause and effect relationship shown. Otherwise, we're not allowed to by state law. So that's... That's, <laughs> that's, that's our quandary, yes. Yeah, so, and, and, you know, 50... Benson Road, NC50, that, that is one of the roads that <clears throat> there are concerns about. Yeah. You know, that stretch all the way, you know, from Timber, you can take it all the way out to Cleveland Road, um, mm -hmm. which is outside our town limits. Right. Which, you know, you talk about those 20,000 cars or trips during peak, peak drive times, I guess, and, um, you know, a lot of those cars are coming and going from well outside of Garner. They're coming and, go coming and going from... Johnston County, we have no, obviously, influence over right. what developments are approved out there. Right. Um, 
so it it seems you know it would seem intuitively to most residents that well there needs to be some sort of regional coordination or solutions or I mean how does that work are are there any um, is there any recourse to sort of regional solutions to, to right. issues like NC fifty and all the you know right. there's twenty thousand car trips yeah so that's where you know the state does try to break it down to more of it's not a county level but the state is divided into what they call metropolitan planning organizations. Um, for the general public, I would kind of probably add a qualifier. It's a metropolitan transportation planning organization, um, but they're called MPOs. And then in the rural areas, they have they now have an equivalent called a rural planning organization or RPO. Um, and so, you know, we have these multi-jurisdictional MPOs and RPOs set up to try to plan for things at, at a regional level. Um, and I would, you know, it's not a, it's not an envy, <laughs> a job that I envy um, that they have to do because uh, it, it is very difficult. Um, but I think particular our local one, which is called Campo, the capital area metropolitan planning organization does a great job um, in making sure that we get our share of the funding that is available. Um, we've got a very, very good team of folks there that we work with. So Garner's a member. Uh, we contribute, every member jurisdiction contributes funds to that regional planning organization. Again, the challenge is, is that there's not enough funding to do all of the projects in that regional plan. So within the region, projects have to be prioritized. And then they have to compete. Again, they, and they've tried to set it up as a very objective as much as they can so that funds aren't just being thrown around, you know, on a whim or as a favor to someone. Um, there's a very objective points-based process. Um, but the, your priority list has to compete against all the other priority lists around the state. And so, again... I think we've got good plans. The problem is, is there just isn't enough funding to implement everything that's in the plan today. And that's really where those state routes suffer because, again, they're smaller, they're more local, and it's those larger super regional projects that unfortunately kind of end up absorbing most of the funding and there's very little funding left for those state routes and those are the ones where we find find the issues although 50 is a state highway um, there's still if you think about <laughs> if you've traveled around the Raleigh area um, the other end of 50 Creedmoor Road going up into Granville County how long has that been a congested little you know two-lane road um, Highway 54 between Raleigh and Chapel Hill. That's been a nightmare since I was in grad school. Um, <laughs> back that was in, only a few years ago, right? Oh, yeah, only a few. Just, a, just the uh, mid to late 90s. <laughs> Doesn't sound that long ago. Um, but, yeah, and so we're still, you know, Benson Road is still competing against those projects. They're trying to, you know, find funds to get those widened as well. So it's... Um, it's a challenge. There's just not enough funding to go around. I mean, we're just, the whole region is just growing so fast. And any one of these projects, I mean, you're talking tens of millions of dollars. Right. right. These, these, are, these are high price projects. Yeah, these are, yeah, these are eight and in some cases nine figure projects. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, th so that's really tough. Um, and, and you talked a bit about what what we maybe what we well what we can and, and can't really ask developers to do without demonstrating mm -hmm. you know the impacts. Um, we haven't talked a bit about transit. That's of course another piece of, of the right. transportation uh, equation. Mm -hmm. And we are we are making some progress on on transit, and we hope to make more in the coming years. Um, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that. But what sure. uh, there, there's some stuff on the way, you yeah. know, so in terms of enhanced bus. Uh, transit and possibly fingers crossed maybe some other stuff right mm -hmm. yeah yeah so we have a again all of that is kind of coordinated at this MPO level 
and um, we we've got a great partner in in um, Go Raleigh is what they call now. I was gonna say cats, <laughs> um, but yeah, but the former cats, yes, branding over the years. Right, right, right. Um, but Go Raleigh has been very um, very gracious in looking at extending their operations outside of just the Raleigh city limits. Um, I know they operate some transit routes up in Wake Forest already and some some longer kind of express routes that reach out into neighboring communities. And so within the last few years, um, they have taken a route that was previously run by Triangle Transit or Go Triangle um, that kind of connected the White Oak area in a few locations along Timber and Aversboro and Forest Hills uh, to downtown. So we now have um, Go Raleigh, I want to say it's Route 26 or 29. I'm escaping, the number escapes me right now. 20, there's 20, oh, that's it. Yes, yes, the one that comes down Garner Road and then makes that kind of that same loop that the, the triangle route used to do. Um, and that has been enhanced now. There's more frequent service. Um, that was all part of the larger Wake Transit plan. So we do have a good funding source there to be expanding transit right now. Um, and the next thing that Garner will see, in addition to Route 9, which comes down to the North-South Station area in Walmart, um, there's going to be what they call a bus rapid transit line. Um, folks will see the first implementation of bus rapid transit between downtown and Wake Med. Um, <clears throat> and bus rapid transit really is just providing dedicated travelways to the buses so that they're not being impeded by local traffic and can actually speed up your commute. Um, so there will be a route coming again from downtown Raleigh, that's of course the hub, uh, down to North South Station. And that project, if you've you know, encourage folks to keep paying attention to council meetings. We give updates on that pretty frequently. Um, that is working its way through its pre-planning now uh, with implementation, I think hopefully by 2028 at the latest, if not sooner. Um, so that that's where most of the efforts are right now. And then in the long range, we've even got commuter rail using the rail line that would stop both in uh, downtown Garner and out in the Auburn community. So, yeah, lots of stuff happening there. <laughs> and they haven't put a, they haven't committed to a time frame for commuter rail yet. Is that, is that right? Um, again, late, late, and that may be where I was getting the 2028 and 2029. I would actually say I think BRT is a little sooner than that. Um, but I, I've heard kind of the latter part of this decade for, for commuter rail, if it stays on, on track. Yeah. yeah. That, would be, that, would be, that would be a boon for Garner and, and for the region. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, probably, we're probably behind a lot of uh, metro areas and other parts of the country on, on, right. on that, kinds of, that yeah. kind of transit option. I would say that's a fair statement, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the, you know, we're talking about the future. Um, what are some of the bigger projects that are kind of on the horizon? Um, you know, uh, you could talk about projects. You could talk about areas, maybe especially where we expect yeah. to see some, some growth, um, residential and or commercial. Right. So in terms of areas, that's probably the easiest way to break it down first. Um, <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of growth out on the 401 corridor uh, down towards McCullers Walk. That was an area that for a long time, and it, and it still is, uh, has been limited by water and sewer capacity, particularly sewer capacity. Um, I'll just, <laughs> I'll throw that out there. That's, that's one of Garner's biggest challenges um, is, is sewer because we're, we're part of the Raleigh system, and if folks know where the, the Noose River treatment plan is, it's uphill and sewer doesn't like to go uphill um so everything <laughs> yes um so everything in garner pretty much has to be forced back um up to the raleigh system and and so again this was an area that had a lot of challenges in order to put new 
force main infrastructure in place or upgrade what little did exist in that area. Um, but there's enough of things, there's enough pressure now, you know, in the, in the economy uh, to, and there's enough land <laughs> that's available um, that it's kind of, we've, we seem to be tipping over and that's, that can actually happen now. There's enough interest and enough development opportunity to make those sewer challenges not over that you can't overcome them um so we got a lot of a lot of things going on there um there's a costco development anchored shopping center that's been approved recently uh, there's at least one or two if not three apartment complexes um, in addition to supporting supporting commercial retail and other services out there uh, the second area I would say is probably around South Garner High School. Um, folks have definitely seen growth in that area, all residential, um, but growth nonetheless. Um, a lot of a lot of open tracks there. That again, um, sewer was a, not quite as much a challenge for that area, but still a little bit. Uh, but once the high school went in, that really was kind of the domino that's causing the others um, to to develop the pressures to be there. And then finally, I would say probably out in the Auburn community area, um, folks may be familiar with Auburn Village, which was a 55-plus uh, retirement community that's under construction right now. Um, with, with 540, which we... <laughs> that hadn't come up previously, um, but that's a big thing too that's happening. Um, with 540 being constructed and that last segment from, from 40 back up to Nightdale is they're looking to accelerate that as well. That's putting a lot of development pressure out in the Rock Quarry Road area, um, or what we refer to as the larger Auburn community. Um, there's several big projects that are working their way through through planning review out there as well. Um, so those are the big three areas, and then, of course, generally there's there's just interest all over town. Whether it's you know the Creech Road, Weston Road areas, we've got interest there. Um, continued redevelopment even around North South Station in those areas, and then just infill. It's um, Thankfully, it's not concentrated in any one area, but it is a lot still, even in just those areas. You mentioned 540, um, and so uh, again, to refresh people's memory, it, it they will be completing the 540 loop all the way around Raleigh, or all the way around 440, and like as a, as a concentric right. circle, <laughs> more or less, and. Um, so it's connect. The, the last piece to connect goes what from from Holly Springs over to Nightdale, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. And it is not coming through Garner that that piece of 540, thankfully, but it's going to come right. around Down to around. the south. And uh, but it will, you know, inevitably spark develop new development as you as you say, like out in the right. Auburn area. And are there other interchanges where you might expect to see? Yeah, so the, the, <laughs> the, the first interchange that is close to our jurisdiction um, are going to be at Lake Wheeler and 401. Um, those are technically going to be in Fuquay Verena's jurisdiction, but they're not far because our jurisdiction ends at 1010 Road in that area. Um, so that, those will definitely have an impact and already are, as we, we've seen the Costco anchored development um, those are easily within a half mile of those of those interchanges. Then we'll have one at Old Stage Road that's completely within our future jurisdiction. Um, and again, one at 50 Benson Road. And then, of course, you'll have the big spaghetti junction there with um, 40 and the 70 bypass. Uh, and then coming up on the east side of Garner, there'll be intersections or interchanges at White Oak Road, at US 70, and then Rock Quarry. Um, so again, that's it's broken into two separate funding cycles. So the Holly Springs to the big spaghetti intersection is one one pot, and then 
from from 40 and the 70 bypass up to Nightdale is another. But what they've done is they've kind of, even though they're in two different time frames, one kind of got held off to the, the end of the first time frame, and then the Nightdale piece is being brought up to the beginning of the second time frame. So in essential, essentially, it'll be one kind of seamless project. Um, and that's really going to change this region and have even have impacts going down in the, into Johnston County. Yeah, anytime you kind of open up good road access to areas, obviously that's a place then where people want to be. Um, there, there's a always a good section of either residents or businesses that want to be in close proximity to that. They don't want to have to be you know, 15 minutes away from a, a major highway. The, the only thing that I would say will be interesting to see over time is because it's a toll facility um, as to how long it will take for folks to kind of adjust to that. It's it's still still a relatively new thing in North Carolina, and I know when other parts opened, it did take a little while for volumes to build and for people to really want to use it. But... Um, I think it will ramp up a little quicker here. Well, we've kept you here a long time, and I don't want to keep you too much longer. But, um, I, you know, I thought we'd close by just letting you kind of wrap up. What do you, you know, what do you see as some of the, the biggest challenges we'll, we'll face uh, over the next five to ten years? Sure. Um, definitely I would have to repeat transportation. Um, when I first came to Nightdale, or I said Nightdale. When I came to Nightdale, I saw it too. Now when I come to Garner, I saw the same thing. Um, but yeah, I came to Garner from Nightdale back in late 2014. And um, Garner has a very unique geographic challenge that directly impacts transportation. And that's really the Swift Creek, Lake Benson, Lake Wheeler. Those are significant you know, bodies of water and their associated floodplains and, and what have you um, that impact your ability to build roads. Um, you've got to cross, you've got to cross the creek. You're not going to cross the lakes. You got to go around the lakes and then get across Swift Creek. Um, and you can't just do that anywhere. And so, you know, that that's a challenge there to get good traffic flows through the area because you're limited to just a few options um once you're north of swift creek you know then it's then we're not we don't have as many physical barriers you still have i-40 and we're still going to have 540 so in some respects those are are limiting as well and can create challenges but but again at least with not having the environmental challenges there hopefully that should be a little easier so there's the transportation and of course we talked about the the funding issues that go along with that and the other thing I would say in in any rapidly developing community or a community that's developing faster than average um, is the whole idea of trying to balance the natural with the built environment and where does that fall and when development's not happening as quickly it's not as jarring you know when when folks clear for the amount of development that they want to do um and so you know now we haven't again we haven't made any adjustments really to our rules and regulations since the last time <laughs> over probably 10 years ago I think it was back in 93 that the last major rewrite was done, or 2003. And um, so it's time, to, it's time to take a look at those rules again and see where that balance needs to be. Um, and, we're, and we hear that from, from the public, as, as you would expect. Anytime, anytime you have a nice natural, even if it's pastoral, um, and then suddenly the ground's being you know, disturbed for the development that's coming. It, it's, it's a shock. Um, but, you know, it's a process that you have to go through and it's a process that you get through. Uh, it's just not quick. Um, but ultimately, you know, where, where do we want to be in that natural landscape versus, versus built environment? And what kind of trade-offs do you make? Um, you know, do you, if you want more 
more of the natural, then are you willing to give a little more on, say, density? Um, will you allow more to be in a smaller built footprint? Um, so that, that's kind of the two challenges that I see most is, is, is trying to find that, that balance and which parts do you want to regulate and hold more tightly to on the natural versus built environment. And then, and then transportation, how do you make it, how do you make it all convenient, uh, hopefully for, for people to get to and through. Well, Jeff, thank you for taking time out from your uh, very busy schedule. I, you know, if, if, if anyone were to, were to do the tour of the planning department these days, you would just see plans stacked up in piles all over the place. And Yeah, uh, we're still in the paper environment. Yeah, <laughs> you all are working uh, incredibly hard these days. Uh, it, you know, the, uh, the pandemic has not slowed down your workload, I don't think. Uh, no. Much, if at all. No. Uh, it's... Um, but so thank you for joining us. Um, we'll have to have you back because there's always uh, there's always stuff to talk, talk about on the planning and the growth front here yes, in Garner. There is. And I expect there will be for quite a few years to come. Um, and that so that's it, folks, for this uh, this episode of Garner Station podcast. You can watch us on YouTube and this and other previous episodes. You can um, also listen to the podcast wherever you get. Uh, your podcast, whatever platform you you prefer, um, and also I would encourage you to go to GarnerNC.gov. You can you can go to the planning department and learn more about what they do. You can find agendas for upcoming uh, town council and planning commission meetings, and uh, yeah, get involved, be engaged. That's right. Um, take care. Uh, we'll see you next time on Garner Station. <laughs>